November 16th is coming like in two weeks, in case you didn't catch that. Uh, that will be the Lowen's last Sunday, at least on staff. Uh, they may be around, but not as uh, youth pastors. So we're going to say goodbye in two ways. If you want to be thinking about it, uh, in between the two services, 1015 to 1045, uh, we normally have our coffee uh, and uh, Little Debbie time in there. Um, anyway, we'll, instead of Little Debbie's, we'll have a big cake and we'll have the Lowen family out there and you can uh, say uh, you appreciate them and thank them and uh, uh, say see you later. Um, the second will be at 4 o'clock on the 16th, two weeks, down at the Youth Center. And that will uh, be uh, a little more formal time. Uh, we'll have food. Uh, we just informed John he's doing a little video tribute for him. If you have slides, if you have pictures, if you have... Uh, maybe even video that you'd like to include in that, get that to Jonathan. Um, and then we'll have an open mic. So those of you who'd like to share uh, words of affirmation and appreciation to the Lowen family, that will be happening 4 to 5.30, two weeks from now. And then from 6 to 8, they'll be, uh, they have already scheduled a big laser tag event. So that will be the way we'll close out uh, two weeks. So I'll tell you again all those details next Sunday. If you're a part of the youth staff, if you regularly work with Jason and you're a part of uh, uh, training and working with the teens next Sunday after second service, we got a lunch and it's really important to get as many of you as possible to come and be a part of that so we can kind of develop a strategy for the next few months. Uh, if you're interested in being a part of the search process to be considered for that, please see me or Pastor Bob, and uh, you can certainly think and pray about that, but that's uh, happening, and uh, so if you're interested and you want to pray about it, think about it, pray about it, and uh, we'll uh, give uh, everybody who's interested some consideration. So we are today in the book of Revelation, so take your Bibles if you have it with you, um, and we're going to go uh, to Revelation chapter 3. We're, we have now completed the first two chapters, and now we are in the fifth church that uh, the resurrected, ascended Jesus Christ writes to, sends a message. And uh, we saw the church at Ephesus lost their passion, their first love for Jesus Christ. The second church, the church at Smyrna, was getting squeezed and pressed, and, and literally they were, they were getting the life squeezed out of them through persecution. Um, the church at Pergamum, that's the third church, uh, they wanted to love Jesus and also enjoy their sin at the same time. Uh, we saw last week the church at Thyatira. Uh, that was the church that tolerated a teacher who said, you know what, it's okay to be a part of church and at the same time go and participate in idolatry and sexual immorality. The church allowed and tolerated um, a teacher, a woman teacher, uh, they call her a Jezebel-like person, and you've tolerated that, and that's a problem. Today we're going to look at the church at Sardis. Uh, the church at Sardis had a good reputation Anybody in the city of Sardis would have thought about, well, the, this is a good church. These are really nice people. 
They, they had a reputation for being alive. But the great physician, Jesus Christ, has done an autopsy on the church at Sardis, and he's found you're not alive, you're really actually dead. And that's the challenging words that Jesus has for the church of Sardis. Would you stand with me? Dan will put it up here on the wall. We'll uh, out loud together declare and read God's word. You ready? Here we go. Verse 1. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you've received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Lord, I, I would echo that last verse. Give us ears to hear what it is you have to say to us today. Thank you for uh, inspiring and preserving the message that you sent to the church at Sardis. And uh, Lord, I pray that you might use these words to wake us up. Lord, I suspect some of us here, um, we have a pretty good reputation, but the truth is, Lord, you think otherwise. So Lord, help us to hear clearly from you the risen, resurrected Christ. And help us to understand how this message written to a church long ago, Lord, would you show us how that applies to us today in northern Michigan in 2014? Lord, uh, we pray now for the Lowen family. I'm asking that you'll give them strength and grace during this time of transition. Lord, help them to work out the details. Lord, help them to feel appreciated and loved and encouraged and I pray Lord as they make this transition to Denver Lord that you give them lots of grace and strength in their time of need I pray as well Lord for our teens and for the the youth staff Lord uh, many of them are hurting and uh, and uh, I pray that you'll bring them hope and I pray that you'll bring them encouragement and Lord, we know that you have something in mind, so Lord, help us to persevere on, and we look forward to what you have next for us. I, I pray as well right now, Lord, for the 16 members of the Haiti team, because Lord, they're representing us right now in Derivu, and uh, right now, Lord, they're uh, right in the middle of a really long service. And I suspect right now, Pastor Jason Ritchie is uh, preaching in English, 
and Benjamin is translating in Haitian Creole. So Lord, I, I pray even right now that you'll help Pastor Jason to speak clearly and boldly about your son Jesus. And Lord, help Benjamin to translate well. And, and I pray for their uh, time there with our sister church. Lord, may it be a time of encouragement and growth. And I pray that the relationship will grow and deepen. And uh, Lord, you just work powerfully through those 16 down there. We invite your spirit right now to come in uh, conjunction with the power of your word. And I'm praying, Lord, that through your word and through your spirit, you'll speak clearly and loudly to each and every one of us today in your church. And all the church at Walloon Lake said with one voice, you may be seated. Chapter 3, verse 1. The crucified, risen, ascended Jesus Christ. And then here's what he wants us to know. The one who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. So what's the deal there? Are there like seven Holy Spirits? Uh, seven is the word for completion. The, the, it signifies perfection. I think what he's saying is the one who holds the perfect, complete, total package Holy Spirit and the seven churches that I'm writing to in my hand, uh, that's who's about to speak to you. So he's getting their attention, and he says, verse 1, look at it, Jesus Christ, who knows everything, holds the church, holds the Holy Spirit in his hand. Church at Sardis, you have a reputation for being alive. But the reality doesn't match. Make sense? You, you have a really strong, alive reputation but you're really not what your reputation says. You're actually dead. They are totally exposed. They are like shown for what's really going on. It's like there's this massive chasm of a difference between reputation and reality. And now Jesus is just going to go and expose them for what they really are in this church at Sardis. It's, it's a little bit like when Millie Vanilli got exposed for being lip syncers. Do you remember that? Uh, it's a little bit like when Lance Armstrong got exposed for uh, using performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, Alex Rodriguez exposed for what was really going on. A little bit like that, that, that story where the emperor is walking around and uh, he's got these brand new clothes. Remember that, Jim? And, and he's so proud, and the truth is what? He's naked. <laughs> uh, the church of Sardis is going to get exposed here. Uh, what's really going on does not match their reputation. Now think about someone coming at you strong and hard, and they're going to get right in your grill, and they're going to confront you about something that's really wrong in your life. Most of us, I'll put my hand up, I, I don't like that. We try to avoid that, don't we? When we know somebody has something really hard to say to us and it's going to affect our reputation, uh, we squirm and we dodge and we duck, 
but sometimes that person's still coming at us um, and, and we're really concerned because most of us work really hard at making sure that you have a good image or a good r- reputation for me. I, I manage my reputation closely and carefully. But here's what the resurrected Jesus says. Um, your reputation doesn't match your character. Your reputation is what other people think about you. Your character is who you really are. And, and there's, there's this disconnect between reputation and who you really are your character, and Jesus says, I'm going to confront you, and it's going to be strong, and it's going to be hard. And I just want you to know, Jesus loves us enough not to let us fool ourselves like that emperor did in the story. He loves us enough to wake us up, to to speak even strong and blunt words to get our attention. And that's exactly what he's going to do here to the church at Sardis. So, uh, verse 1, let's just look again. I know your deeds, you got a good reputation being alive, but you're actually, say it with me, what? You're dead. So what was it that made this church dead? Think with me. What was it? There's, there's no false teaching going on here. Mentioned very clearly in the previous two uh, uh, churches. Um, doesn't seem to be a lack of love mentioned in the, the first church in Ephesus. There's no mention of sexual immorality or idolatry or putting up with false teaching like there was earlier. So what was their problem? Um, no major sin, no doctrinal error. So why were they dead? Um, they had a good reputation. Everybody in Sardis said, wow, these are nice people. They are good people, and they are moral, and they are religious. And I'm just telling you, everybody looked at these folks and said, wow, what nice people. But here's what's interesting. There's no mention of persecution or suffering, like at Smyrna. And that's interesting because this was a Greek city, and it had Caesar worship as well. And that tells us they were really good at navigating the Roman Caesar waters. This church, they were, they were experts at not making waves, at not ruffling anybody's feathers. They were pretty good at making sure that everybody really thought the, the, this is good people. They, they avoided anything controversial, and they were Caesar politically correct. They, they were Rome politically correct. They were politically correct, uh, religiously correct, in, in, in all of the Greek gods that were worshipped there in Sardis. Uh, they, they were uh, really good at spinning answers. You know what I'm talking about? When you ask somebody a question and they really don't answer the question, you know, they're, they're like, they give you lots of words and there's lots of snow in the air, but you have no idea what the real answer is. I, maybe they were all politicians there in the church at Sardis. Uh, 
Uh, that's my political thought for today. Uh, good at ducking, good at spinning, good at double talk. Why? Because I want everybody to like me. I, I, I don't want anybody mad or angry or upset at me. Um, they were religious moralists. If you're taking notes, write that down. That's important. They were religious but moralistic people. Nice, kind, gentle people. But don't rock the boat, baby. Because if you rock the boat, you might what? You, you tip the boat over and you get everybody mad at you. So they, they sang safe songs. They prayed safe, nice prayers. Put money in the offering. Listened to the special music. Listened to the pastor preach a very nice, religious, moral uh, message. And then they went back out and man, everybody in the community thought, these, these are great people. They, they, they don't say anything that offends. They, they don't stand for anything that would make anyone feel uncomfortable. They are, they are tolerant. They are inclusive. These, these are nice people. I like them. And they talk about God in general terms. And they let everybody fill in their own definition of God as they choose. You, you define God how you want to, and I'll define how, God how I want to. And you know what? However you want to define him or her, your version of God, that's great. It's all good. Do you understand what's going on here? Uh, they were really good at being nice and being moral and never stepping on toes. Uh, we, are, we, we are never intolerant. We, we n are never exclusive. We're going to stay flying under the Roman radar. And everybody in Sardis said, wow, these, this is a good church. <laughs> they got a good veneer on that church. It, it looks pretty good from our perspective. Um, unfortunately, that was the reputation. Now Jesus is about to expose the reality. And here's what he says. He says, um, I know what everybody there thinks, but you're just kidding yourselves. You're actually dead. So, when a church is exposed or when a follower of Jesus uh, is, is shown that you're actually dead and lacking the life of Jesus, what are we, what are we supposed to do? Let, let's say you're here today and, and you're thinking, well, you know, I, I could be a little bit like these people. I, I don't want people to be angry at me. I don't want to step on anybody's toes. I don't want anybody thinking that I'm intolerant. I don't want anybody thinking that I'm exclusive. Um, uh, what do you do when you realize that you're dead and you need to come back to life? What should we do? What's the solution according to the risen Christ? That's what I want you to understand. This is the remedy and the solution of Jesus. So when you realize spiritually you're dead or dying, what do you do? Um, Jesus gives his church five commands. So uh, here we go. Uh, I would encourage you, once you write these things down, you took the time to get here, might as well remember them. Uh, if you need to have life returning to your life, if you need to be jolted uh, spiritually out of your death and into life, what do you do? First thing you do, verse 2, first two words, wake up. Say it with me, 
wake up. Okay, and now Pastor Jeff's going to take a little snooze and now tell me what I need to do. I'm still snoozing. I didn't hear anything. I'm snoozing, and what do I need to hear from you? Tell me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sound asleep at the wheel here, boys and girls. I, I need to, to grab a hold of the steering wheel or I'm going to crash and burn. That's the message. Wake up. Now, little history lesson. Two minutes. Can you handle two minutes of history? You're going to get it anyway. So anyway, uh, 500 B.C., Persian King Cyrus, massive army. They are the heavyweight champion of the world, and they're going around. Uh, they arrive in Sardis, uh, a very wealthy city, a major money center at that time. Um, Cyrus, we are going to come to Sardis. We are going to plunder and loot and rob you blind. Uh, just one problem. Sardis had this like massive fortress. It's called an Acropolis. And everybody, they saw the army coming for a long way away. They all retreat up into the Acropolis, 1,500 feet high. I wish I could show you a picture. And you look up, and it's like this massive rock fortress. And they're thinking, uh, no, you're not going to touch us. <laughs> We're up here in the Acropolis, and we got years and years of supplies. Uh, we are impossible for you to touch they were so confident of this that the one entrance into the fortress from below, um, they only put two guards because there's no way. Two guards can safely handle anybody. I mean, it, it's just not a fair fight. So after 14 days, they're down there 14 days, Cyrus and his massive army, uh, he sends a couple of his men in the middle of the night up and they sneak up the path, and they get to the entrance, and the two guards are sound asleep. And sure enough, they climb over, and uh, it's not good for those two sound asleep guards, and they open up the door, and all night long, the army pours in. And sure enough, uh, the Persian army uh, comes and conquers the city. They loot, they plunder the great riches of Sardis. They were able to overthrow this, this amazing fortress. Why? Because uh, they thought, no way, no how. We are untouchable. But because two guards fell sound asleep, they lost the entire city. Now, Everybody growing up in Sardis, you knew this story. This was like the story that affected the course of history for your town. Um, now, I want you to look, verse 2. Catch what Jesus is saying, okay? Uh, the resurrected Jesus, he's looking at the church at Sardis, and he's saying, hey, church at Sardis, you know the history lesson about your city. Sound asleep. You lost everything. I'm here to tell you, the same thing is happening in your church right now. You think you're doing great. You think you're fine. You think your reputation is going gonna, is gonna to get you through everything. And I'm just here to tell you, uh, you are nice, gentle, moralist people, but you are dead and you are dying. Wake up. 
You're sound asleep spiritually, and you need to be alert and pay attention. You're not doing okay, and in the eyes of the resurrected Jesus, sound asleep, dead. They understood the message. The uh, second command of Jesus. First, wake up. Go back to verse 2. Look at it with me. Uh, Strengthen what remains and is about to die. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. Uh, It seems to be saying uh, you're not totally dead right now. You're just mostly dead. Uh, Church at Sardis, uh, you right now need to take immediate action. Uh, You're on life support. Uh, You need to take immediate corrective action. Call 911 because you got some in your church, they're in the ICU, and some are in the CVU, and some are in the emergency room, and it's not looking good, and others are on life support, and still others they're doing CPR on. Um, You're mostly dead right now. And if you don't wake up real quick and take urgent action, it's all over. It's all over. When you realize you're spiritually dead and dying, what do you got to do? Wake up and spring into action. <laughs> this is not something to be ignored. This is not something to be put, well, uh, maybe next year I'll think about no, spring into action when? When? Now, immediate, yeah. So here's my question. Is there anything in your life that's on the critical list? Anything going on in your life right now that you've been ignoring and hoping that it might go away? Anything right now in your life? Oh, I know this isn't good, but I just don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I'm just, I'm just going to pretend that these chest pains will go away, and, and I hope that it's, everything's fine. And, and I know the collection agency keeps calling and calling and calling, but I'm pretty sure if I don't answer the phone, it'll just go away. That's, that's what's happening. It's, I'm just telling you, there's a part of us, um, especially men, ignore it, finish it off, and what? It might go away. Yeah. Is that true? No. There's no, there's no connection to reality, but we like to think that way. Um, is your marriage on the decline? Is it headed for trouble? Do you know what I need to do for my marriage to fail? Any, any guesses? What do I need to do for my marriage to fail? And the answer is nothing. And what do you need to do for your marriage to fail? Just do nothing. Ignore it. Do nothing about it. And I'm just telling you, it's time to wake up and take urgent action. There's something in your life that's dying on the critical list. Uh, Do not pretend that it's going to be fine. No, it's not. First word, wake up. Be alert. Quit sleeping. You're not untouchable. Second word, strengthen what remains. Quickly take action. Deal with the critical issues that you're facing. Third command here, verse 3. This is good. Uh, Here's what Jesus says. Remember, therefore, what you've received and what you've heard. Remember, think back, what have you received and what have you heard? 
And what did they receive and hear? They heard the good news. And what's the good news? Um, You're dead and you're lost and you're headed for hell, but Jesus has completed the work for you. Um, It's the done program. On the cross, Jesus has brought you grace, and grace is done. Now, all of those who received and heard that message, up to that point, what program were they on? They were on the do program, yeah. Uh, What would they have had to do? Track uh, every day, go to Artemis, offer sacrifices, give money, do ritual dances, scream, yell, shout, please, 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 Artemis, please bless me and do what I want you to do. That's the do program. And now, the message of the gospel. Jesus has completed. It's done. It's grace. It's free. It's a gift to be accepted by faith. And I'm just telling you, he's saying, remember what you've received. Remember the amazing, it's, it's done. Isn't that awesome? Jesus has done this amazing, it's complete by Jesus alone. Now, these people are fearful that if they speak up for Jesus, they might tick off a few people. Uh, they might not like me. They might speak poorly of me. I might feel pressure economically or socially. So what did they do? Lay low, fly under the radar, and keep quiet. Here's what Jesus says. Uh, Church at Sardis, church at Walloon, remember me on the cross for you. Remember, I, I, I took your place on the cross, and I shed my blood for your sin problem, and I took your place in the tomb, and early on Sunday morning, what did Jesus do for him? He arose, defeated sin and Satan, and he says, would you please remember what I've done for you? You've forgotten. Take it to heart. And, and here's what I want you to know. He says, slide down to verse 5. The one who is victorious, Jesus says, you speak up for me, and then I'm going to speak up for you one day before the Father and the angels. Isn't that good? So here's, you, 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 you're reluctant, you, you won't speak up, you won't say anything, but here's the promise. The one who's victorious and speaks up for me, I'm going to speak up for you, Jesus says. Go to Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. Uh, just, just turn there if you have your Bible. And if, if somebody next to you doesn't have one, maybe let them look on. But here's what it says, Revelation 12, 11. Uh, how do you know you're victorious? What, what do victorious people do in the eyes of Jesus? Um, they triumphed over him. Who's the him? Satan. They triumphed over Satan by the blood of the lamb, the cross, and by the word of their what? Testimony. Huh. So they were speaking up about the blood of the lamb, Jesus, and they were testifying about what they'd seen Jesus do in their life. It's like you're in a court of law and you testify, what do you do? I'm going to share what I've seen and what I've heard and what I know to be true. Here's what Jesus has done in my life. It's the done program. Make sense? So when you speak up for Jesus and about the blood of the lamb, that's victory. That's where victory comes from. And that's exactly the trouble in Sardis. 
lay low, be quiet, don't ruffle any feathers, just be nice, moral, religious, gentle people. And Jesus says, no, no, remember what you received from me. Remember uh, what you used to have to do. It was all do, do, do. And Artemis was an awful God to serve. It's done. You have a new Savior, Jesus Christ, and it's done. Speak up. Reflect that to a lost and dying world. I hear every day people talking about their team. And I hear people, and uh, maybe you're one of them, and forgive me, but you're talking on and every day, every time I see you, you're talking about your Wolverine or your Spartan. And, and I'm thinking, how much are they paying for you to talk about your team every day? They must be paying you a lot of money because you never shut up about your Spartan or your Wolverine. You're always talking about your tiger or your lion. And there's this buzz about your rambler or your northman or your logger or your raider. I'm pretty sure they must be paying you a lot because you never, ever are quiet about it. Now, that's okay in its place. But what I'm saying is, go back. Jesus is saying, how come you don't talk about me? How come you don't speak up about me? How, how come you're not everywhere you go testifying about the done program that Jesus has brought you? Why are you so reluctant to testify about the greatest thing that's ever happened to you? And, and that's knowing me. So be freshly awed by Jesus and his work in you. Be freshly awed. Because, you know, when you're really good and a nice, moral, do-gooding person, you only kind of need a Savior. Make sense? Because I'm pretty nice, and I'm moral, and I'm religious, and, and, you know, I do good stuff. So I really only kind of need a small-ass Savior. But it's only when we realize who we really are. When I realize, you know what, I am a sinner and I am desperate, and I am broken, and I need Jesus to rescue me daily from my sin. When we get to that point, suddenly, oh yeah, I I need a capital S Savior. I I need an awesome Savior because I'm a great sinner myself. Make sense? Um, These folks were nice and moral and good and and didn't really want to ruffle anybody. First command, when you realize you're dead, Wake up. You've been sound asleep. Spiritually, you've been sleeping. Second word, strengthen what remains and is about to die. Take immediate action now. You're in the ICU. It's not looking good. The doctor has a bad report. You better take action now. Third command, remember what you received and heard. Go back to the cross. Remember the done program. Uh, remember what he's done. Remember what you used to have with Artemis? It was bad. This Jesus stuff is done and amazing. Fourth command. Remember what you heard. Look at verse 3. Remember what you heard and have seen and hold it what? Hold it fast. Remember what you've seen and heard and hold on tight. Hang on. Guard it. Live it, obey it. 
Um, I grab a football, and now I want to tell you that every Sunday I'm throwing stuff out at you. I'm throwing truth. I'm throwing truth. I'm throwing truth, Case. And uh, yet, in football, do you get any credit if you touch it with your hands and then drop it? Are there any points involved if, if it hits your hands and, and, and you don't catch it? And the answer is no. You only get credit if you do what? You, you get it thrown to you and you catch it and then you tuck it in and hold it tight. That's exactly what Jesus is saying here. Okay? Um, lots of truth you folks at Sardis have heard. You, you know truth. And it's coming and it's hitting your hands, but, but you're not holding on to it. You're, you're not tucking it in. You're not living it out. You're not obeying the truth that you already know. See how those connect? It's, it's time to remember and then actually put it into practice. Sometimes we think, well, well, I know a lot of truth, but if you're not putting it into practice, you really don't know truth. It's only when when you grab it and you hold on tight and now you say, you know what, I remember the gospel and now I'm actually going to testify about what Jesus, the lamb and his shed blood has done for me. That's holding on to the truth. That's actually obeying it. First solution, you're dead. Wake up. Second remedy, if you're lacking spiritual life, what do you got to do? Strengthen what remains. You're mostly dead. You better take quick action. You're in the ICU. Third command for religious moralism. Um, remember the gospel. <laughs> remember the cross. Remember what Jesus has done. Hold on fast. Fourth solution, don't let it go. Live it. Tuck it in and actually put it to practice in your life. The Greek word literally means now hold it fast and put it into practice in your everyday life. And the fifth and the final word, verse 3, is uh, and verse 3, repent. Repent. The final word, repent. Um, you're going on uh, a road and you're driving and suddenly you realize that all the other cars are coming at you in both lanes uh, and you're going that way. Uh, anybody ever had that happen to you? Um, Chicago several times. Rob has too. Uh, what do you do quickly? You, you quickly realize, you know what? This is not good. And I'm going to, dear Lord, please don't let there be a policeman. Yui, and now you're going with the traffic. That's what Jesus is saying. Repent. You're going the wrong way. Turn around. Have a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of direction. These people were so concerned. What will other people think of me? If I speak up for Jesus, I don't think they're going to like it. I might not be in their friendship circle anymore. Um, I'm going to appear intolerant and exclusive to them if I talk about Jesus. And here's what Jesus says. Um, look at the last part of verse 3. Um, yeah, I know you care about what they think, your reputation, but you better care more about what I think. <laughs> Jesus says... Um, I'm about to come like a thief in the middle of the night. Now, we normally think of that, well, he's talking about the rapture. No, he's not. He's talking about Sardis's history. He's talking about Cyrus in the middle of the night, broke into their Acropolis and stole everything. 
Um, here's what Jesus is saying. I, I know you care about what all the other people are thinking of you and your reputation, but I'm going to come and I'm going to do some major damage if you don't wake up. If you don't do the U-turn and go in the other direction, if you don't repent, I'm going to cause some big-time trouble there in your life and in your church. Strong warning, really is. What little that's left is about to be taken away. Um, verse 4. Let, let me see. This is, this is kind of fun. Um, yet there's still a few of you who haven't soiled their clothes. Um, the... New Ellis translation, there are still a few of you who haven't peed your pants as you think about sharing Jesus and testifying about him. There's just a few of you who, who haven't peed their pants. You're so afraid of what other people will think if you speak up for Jesus. Verse 5, one of the most misunderstood verses in the book of Revelation, um, it's a promise, not a threat. That's what you got to understand. And you also need to understand there was a large Jewish population in Sardis, and they, they had this curse. It was a prayerful curse that they would pray on anybody who they didn't think was doing it their way. Um, so this church would have heard this curse a lot. Uh, and it was a curse basically saying, you're not doing it the Old Testament way. You're not being faithful to Jehovah. Eternal damnation to you. So they would have known that curse. And now look at verse 5. And he says, no, 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 no. Uh, if you persevere, if you don't cower and hide, your, your names are in the book. That curse that they keep praying over you, that has no effect on you. And... I would point you to Revelation 17, 8. You can turn there quickly if you want. Um, but it says there, the inhabitants of the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life and from the creation of the world. So here's my point. Give me your eyes. Um, that book was filled out, the book of life, before the creation of the world. So, so all the names that are in the book of life, they're already in there. And that book was filled out before anything was created here that we call planet earth okay so that's god's book and it's all about us and grace and faith and jesus and persevering and what he's saying be faithful <laughs> keep walking and following and confessing jesus as you have opportunity please don't misunderstand he's not saying be a jerk be a fan no with the love and grace of jesus let your life shine but there is a temptation for all of us. I, I just want people to like me. I want people to think I'm nice and moral and religious and fly under the radar and everybody to think I'm just this tolerant, inclusive, wonderful person. And Jesus says, if that's your goal, that's a recipe for spiritual death. Understand? You, you want to go there? That's what you're all about? That's what death looks like, spiritually speaking. I, I'm not going to talk. I'm just going to be real nice and let everybody think how good I am. That's a recipe for spiritual death. If you've got ears this morning, listen up to what the risen, resurrected Christ has to say to us. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I recognize 
how easy it is all of us have a part of us that wants to be liked, that wants people to uh, think good things about us. Lord, all of us, uh, we work pretty hard about keeping our reputation intact. And yet, Lord, I'm reminded today that ultimately the most important thing is what you think about us. So, Lord, uh, we're open. You show us very clearly what you think of our lives. And, Lord, if there's something in our life that's on the critical list, if there's something uh, in our life that's grown cold and asleep and dead, would you make that clear and obvious? And we're ready to follow exactly what you said, to, to wake up, to uh, strengthen what remains to remember exactly what you've done for us on the cross. Uh, Lord, we're grateful that we have you and uh, bring us out of fear and hiding. May we speak up for you as you give us opportunity. And Lord, if we realize we're going the wrong way, the wrong direction, maybe quickly turn and uh, repent and go your direction. Lord, I ask for your blessing upon your church here at Walloon. May we be salty and shine bright for you in this week ahead. And it's in Jesus' amazing name we pray all these things.